Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Beam Voice Podcast. My name is Petro Condoraro, and today's guest is an architect with many years of experience in the AAC industry. He is also a web developer and software developer. He is very passionate about open source, and he is uh, the only developer or the main developer of Blender Beam, which is an add-on for Blender, for Beam actually. Welcome, Dian Moll. Good day, Petra. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm good. Okay, let's start. Uh, I'll give you the chance to introduce yourself, and uh, you you tell me with your own words how do you want to present yourself. Uh, well, I was trained as an architect in Sydney and worked for a few years in an architecture firm, uh, but I also have a background in software development, and have contributed to uh, many open source software projects, uh, for example, the Gentoo Linux distribution, uh, OpenStreetMaps, and more recently, I've been developing the Blender BIM add-on, which is an add-on which gives uh, BIM capabilities to Blender. Okay, we uh, we can talk a little bit about the, the this add-on, actually. What, what do you mean by uh, BIM cap- capabilities? BIM, in this case, is very specific. It refers to open BIM. So um, it's Blender, as you know, is a 3D modeling package, so it can already do 3D geometry. And uh, if you want to add data to that, you can already add metadata to it. Um, it's, there's, you can add keys and values just like uh, most other uh, 3D software. Um, but that doesn't necessarily... Uh, make it useful for uh, the AEC industry. And so what I try to do is to implement the Open BIM standards. So uh, the most famous of which is IFC, uh, which is created by Building Smart. And it's an excellent initiative to uh, encourage vendors to allow data interoperability between their programs. And IFC is an ISO standard uh, and has been for a very long time. So that is what we're bringing to uh, Blender, is the ability to save the geometry and the data in accordance to the IFC ISO standards. Um, IFC is not the only standard that Blender BIM uh, implements. Uh, Another one would be the BCF standard and there are a series of utilities around interrogating it such as clash detection and um, issue management and so on that are also built i see uh but uh let's try to make it a little bit more clearer for those who don't know too much about blender or who did not use it so much right so blender is mainly a 3d modeling software right which is open source but it's uh, uh, it's not very used in uh, for engineering, right? It's based on meshes. You model using meshes, right? So how do we make that usable for our industry? Or do we only import an IFC file and we can uh, uh, add or edit some properties there? Or do we have the possibility to start modeling in Blender? Yeah, so uh, as you say, Blender 
uh, was designed for the CG industry, not for the construction, engineering, architecture industry. And as a result, uh, the way they model is using meshes. Um, and most of the other software that we're used to don't use uh, meshes very much. They use a lot of parametric objects. And although you can achieve the same thing in Blender, uh, that is not the primary focus of the application. And as a result, there's a bit of a mismatch when Blender is used for, uh, let's say, CAD-style geometry. But I think one thing to realize is that there's, uh, meshes are actually uh, quite flexible and, and quite uh, useful for many use cases. So uh, the most obvious one is architectural visualization. There are already many ArcViz artists who are using Blender for that purposes, and meshes do a very good job because of the ability to uh, record UV coordinates for texturing. But it's less useful for certain other disciplines. And that's not to say it's not possible. It just means that you need to think slightly differently when you're using it as an application. It is possible to model an entire building very quickly uh, with meshes uh, if you're just acting as an architect and there's not much that you'd lose. Um, there are a couple of details you need to consider, like how arcs and circles are tessellated, um, but that's not insurmountable. Uh, after all, it's just a couple more parameters you need to store, like a, a center point and a radius. Uh, and um, once you start giving people the interfaces to store those parameters, at the end of the day, if you zoom into it and it's slightly tessellated, it, it doesn't really matter as long as the data is calculated correctly. A bit like how in an old-style AutoCAD, if you zoom in, depending yeah. on your view scale, you would see it to be faceted, but you know that all the calculations are still going to be correct. So um, there have been quite a few initiatives. One example is Archipack. Archipack lets you parametrically create uh, geometry in Blender uh, that's related to the architecture domain, and that would preserve the uh, parametric uh, and the, uh, the solids uh, uh, representation. Uh, another example is in Blender BIM itself. So Blender BIM preserves uh, parametric rectangles coming in and out of other software and you can set extrusion profiles. So it's actually possible using Blender BIM to round trip um, a geometry between, our pro uh, between Blender, which is supposedly just a mesh package, and other programs like Revit or ArchiCAD, and, fully, and they're fully modifiable. You can uh, move up and down the profile extrusions, modify the profiles and so on, as if it were a native object. And as you can see, it is possible. Uh, all you need is to uh, change the workflow slightly. There's also yeah. an initiative to uh, mix Blender and FreeCAD using SphereJoc, which is the uh, sort of graphical node-based equivalent of Grasshopper or Dynamo in Blender, which lets you uh, manipulate FreeCAD-style geometry, which is the type of CAD geometry which you're more used to. Yeah, but uh, what does uh, Sverchok has to do with FreeCAD? Uh, do they have anything in common or do, do they work with each other? It's based on uh, FreeCAD, 
Sverjok? No, Sverjok is based on Blender. Yeah, but there are some additional correct, but there are some nodes in Sverjok which allow it to integrate with FreeCAD's geometry. Oh, so you okay. can effectively transfer geometry to and fro. Okay, now I understand. Uh, so, uh, okay, what is FreeCAD? Well, uh, FreeCAD is an amazing uh, uh, well, free CAD package. <laughs> it's um, it's a it does a little bit of different type of geometry modeling. Um, it's almost the opposite of Blender. So Blender is mesh-based and extremely free-form, uh, artistic, very rapid-style modeling uh, that CG artists are, are, are very happy with. Uh, FreeCAD is the opposite. It's all about uh, parametric. It's all about constraints. It's about a hierarchy, um, a tree of objects which depend on one another. So um, you might have... Uh, heard of Katia? That that style modeling is is more what FreeCAD promises, and that's very good and very appropriate for certain types of objects. Uh, but I would argue that for other types of objects, uh, it, it's less appropriate. So it's used mostly by mechanical engineers or product designers, but it's possible to use it also for uh, civil engineers, right? Or uh, for structural engineers. It's possible to make buildings in it, right? You have an uh, add-on or something. They have some, I don't remember, workbench, I think they call themselves, right? There are some workbenches that you uh, uh, facilitate you to, to, to do different things that it cannot do natively, right? Yes. So uh, FreeCAD has a core, uh, a core application, which is then extended by a series of what they call workbenches. And each workbench specializes in a particular domain. So one workbench will add capabilities specific to architectural modeling. Another workbench will add capabilities specific to structural simulation or uh, parametric sketching. Or uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot out there. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not the best person to speak to about that. Um, you might want to speak to Yorick, uh, one of the main developers. Um, yeah, sure. Once in in the future, definitely. But uh, so uh, you say, like from your knowledge, uh, FreeCAD is mostly like Katia or Inventor, maybe uh, from Autodesk, right? I think Inventor does the same uh, kind of the same things, like SolidWorks, maybe. Uh, but uh, okay, um, what what is open source? Uh, what how do you define open source? Well, the original definition of open source stemmed from free software. And uh, nowadays, the term open source is much more popular uh, simply because the, the word free software uh, it can be a bit difficult to understand. But the original intentions did come from free software. So uh, when we say software is free, we're not talking about the price of software. We're not saying that it, it doesn't cost you any money to develop or to buy it. That's not the point when we say free software. Uh, what we actually mean is that the software gives you freedom. Freedom to use it for whatever purpose that you want, uh, whether it is educational or building something commercial or not commercial. Uh, freedom for you to own it, to, to learn under the hood, to tweak it to whatever you want to do, and then redistribute it to share uh, the, the new capabilities with others. And um, 
that's the spirit of free software. It's the idea that we should share in our in our knowledge of how to build things so that we can end up with uh, better uh, products at the end of the day. And um, open source is one of the prerequisites for free software. So software, as you know, has source code. And uh, most of the people don't look at the, so the source code of their uh, end user. But people who want to learn more about it uh, and to modify it to uh, improve it for their own workflow, seeing the source code is a requirement. And therefore, uh, in order to respect the user's freedom when using the software, it becomes necessary to also uh, share the, the source. And that's where the term open source comes from. I understand. A few episodes back, uh, I talked with somebody about, uh, like we mentioned, like we... Uh, I also uh, like open source and I think, for example, in IT, it's, they have so many possibilities. There are so many possibilities, right? For There are so many programming languages, there are so many uh, uh, text editors, many, many softwares, right? That can help you if you want to, to do your job completely open source. You don't need to pay a dime. Without, you don't need any, anything. Like There are so many great resources, right? And this is something that it's a little bit a shame that in our industry is not like that. Like uh, our industry, as you know, it's very proprietary. And uh, we, in a way, I laughed, not laughed, but sad a little bit about that because uh, we thought we, we don't have any alternatives. And after that, I start looking a little bit online. And this way I discovered Blender Beam and you. And that's why I, I, I took contact with you. Uh, where I want to get with this is like, it is feasible to use only open source solutions for a company to deliver a product on par with proprietary software. Are we there? It's possible to do that. Before I answer that, keep in mind that there are there's a lot of variety in users. So although, uh, depending on who you are, you might be used to delivering BIM with parametric data, which in programs like ArchiCAD and Revit and Tecla, and everything is 3D, and uh, you can link it to spreadsheets and generate sheets, and there are scripts with Dynamo, and that might be your world. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind there's also a huge population which are still on AutoCAD. They're still doing just pure 2D. And so there are, and there are also people who uh, focus on different aspects of the built environment. There are people who focus on GIS analysis, people who focus just on costing, people who do environmental analysis or lighting simulation. And so the question you get is, is free, free software uh, there yet is can you essentially complete commercial grade output with it depends on where you are in the pipeline so for example um, if you if you are a lighting engineer and you do light simulation free software definitely is there radiance for example uh, is 
an extremely famous lighting simulation software. Um, and it is incredibly capable and is seen as one of the benchmarks uh, to which other proprietary lighting simulators have to compete against. So in fact, free software in, that, in, in the lighting simulation world is, can, or can be said to be ahead of proprietary software. Um, structural analysis, uh, for example, uh, now this year we're taking it with a grain of salt. I'm not trained as a structural uh, engineer, um, but there are programs like Code Aster and Salomeca for um, CFD, there is Open Foam, and they are incredibly capable pieces of software. Um, they might not be as uh, visible to users due to the lack of marketing or the lack of um, training courses and, and uh, user interfaces, but in terms of capability, you could say that it's, it's definitely there. When it comes to uh, visualization and modeling, um, you have tools like Blender and FreeCAD, and they are incredibly powerful modeling packages. Uh, so in that case, it is there yet. It, it's, it's already there. And in fact, the, the ability of modeling in Blender far surpasses the modeling tools given in most CAD packages. Um, then you have the question, um, does it offer the same level of domain specific modeling you know do i have the the huge libraries out there of drag and drop a door and that's when you start saying no free software is not yet there we don't yet have those libraries we don't yet have those parametric capabilities yet uh, they are growing uh, every day uh, but but in my opinion it's not there yet so it really depends who you ask uh, documentation is a, is a big issue um, Traditional 2D documentation, there's LibreCAD and QCAD, which will replace Autodesk, uh, AutoCAD. Um, but when it comes to the 3D style documentation, it's not there yet. Um, yeah. So it's a little bit like, uh, it's going to be a little bit easier for people who like to tweak things, to try different things, but it's a little bit more difficult for the ones like, yeah, I want to open my... AutoCAD or Tecla and have my interface, I know I'm friendly with it and uh, just do my job, right? I think this is also because, yeah, the documentation, it's like you need to be, have the willingness to, to tweak a little bit, to try it a little bit and you won't find baby steps. Not right now, actually. Yeah. Correct. Not right now. What I discovered is that um, open source, you're right, is, is not common in, in the AEC industry. But actually, there are lots of really small pockets that are really doing very cool things, but they're just hard to discover. So um, a group of us, um, actually first suggested by Dimitar from HOK, a big architecture firm, uh, uh, we came up with the idea of starting out with an open source architecture, um, but, but this includes all disciplines, a community of people who are willing to sort of push the boundaries and see what's possible. And, and there's actually a directory of free software which relates to open source, uh, which relates to the AC industry, sorry. And um, I think there's nearly or exceeding a hundred programs on there, just that they're just not quite so well integrated. So 
there's still a bit of work to be done. Yeah. Um, but but progress is being made. Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to really compete with the paid solutions because like you have people hired for that, right? And here people just use their own private time to develop this, right? And it's like we need more more resources as well and more interested, right? Uh, it will definitely help. Uh, and uh, and uh, because I think we get to a point like uh, with the paid solutions, uh, uh, just knowing, I like I'm thinking from the perspective of a company, right? If they would consider like a company that that it's it's working already, not a startup or or a one person. One person might might do that because they don't want to to pay a, a hefty fee for Autodesk or something, right? But a company that is producing already to to switch to op completely to open source needs to be. Uh, they must think twice because they like you. Do, you have support, right? This is the thing with actually with uh, the uh, proprietary solutions. Like you have support, you have a company. If you get in trouble you get somebody to help you. You paid for it, of course, you pay for it. But with open source, like you need to fix it yourself or to wait until a solution is coming up, right? So I'm not, I'm not saying this is bad, but I'm thinking like this might be a challenge for bigger uh, businesses to, to, to integrate it. I'm, I know there are many, many companies, many architects using Blender in big companies as well, but for visualizations purposes, right? not for uh, for the entire workflow for all the disciplines and for an integrated workflow right yeah i i as much as i do like open source and free software i i do have to say uh to be realistic i would not encourage big companies which already have a large percentage of their workflows on existing uh platforms to uh, at the moment think that it's feasible to migrate uh that this is not yet the time uh, the proprietary industry has had a huge head start, uh, and we we have to acknowledge that. And it will take a while for us to catch up. And we do lack the, the resources that uh, proprietary firms do. But that said, you might be surprised by uh, how much work can be done by a few motivated individuals. So uh, I guess now is the time to wait and see. But if you, but there is still a a scenario where it does make sense for a large company to start investigating open source. Um, not necessarily to replace existing workflows, but to be, to be aware of how you can sort of push the boundaries. Because the open source community um, likes to experiment, and we like to try, try pushing things that can't, you know, people might consider not currently possible and if you really want to be on the cutting edge of of technology it is a good idea to at least be aware of what's happening in the open source community yeah that sounds good you you are doing this right you are trying you are using this at a professional level in some uh, some cases right correct so um we have, I, I do know of an instance where completely open source software has been used to deliver a building from design right up uh, un, until construction. So 
it is technically possible. Um, I have also seen firms use purely open source software in a commercial environment for structural and CFD analysis and uh, light simulation, um, as, as well as in GIS. So th I, I have seen these things in use, and I've also seen uh, being, them being pushed to the boundary. So for example, the ability to create BIM models that uh, are contain all the data you need for light simulation and can be used uh, out of the box for that, or how to generate construction documentation out of uh, IFCs. Those are some examples of, of ways we're sort of pushing the boundaries of what's possible. That's good. It would definitely help if uh, we'd get more interested. Uh, more interest from uh, companies as well to to look and maybe try to support contribute a little bit because yeah right now maybe it's almost non-existent uh, the support but uh, yeah it's um, like I guess like you said a uh, you you might be surprised what a bunch of people might uh, can uh, do uh, it's you you're right uh, if uh, you cannot compare a team of people or a few people few from different places of the world that are very passionate about it, something, what they do with a team that is paid for that, right? So the passion and the willingness to 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 achieve something really special, it's it's sometimes or, or, or uh, almost all the time uh, much, much important. It drives you much further to achieve much more meaningful things as well and more at the same time. Uh, okay, so uh, we we got a little uh, a basic idea about the open source, and uh, I will definitely make sure to to put in the show descriptions uh, all these resources, so people interested people uh, can can go there and and see what it is this about. Uh, now, if we go back a little bit to the name and the meaning and the mission of this podcast of my podcast uh, and namely beam how do you understand beam how do you describe beam what is beam for you that's a bit of a loaded question because everybody has a sort of a different opinion um, but i'll give my personal opinion and that is that bim needs to be structured data about a building and that's the key in the keyword here the, it needs to be structured so for example if you are just uh having data about your building in a in a spreadsheet format i don't call that structured there is no standardization um, it is not uh easily understood by a random person they will have to understand your structure first. Um, and unfortunately, that's what most of the industry is doing. Uh, if you are just purely um, developing BIM models using proprietary software and proprietary data formats, you're creating unstructured data, in my opinion, because that data cannot be then interpreted by anybody. They need to use a certain platform. They need to see how Revit or Archicad or Tecla, whatever has organized it in their way. And very often, 
especially when you create custom attributes or custom parameters, the data becomes even more messy. So as a result, I don't see the difference between a typical Revit or proprietary uh, model and somebody on an Excel spreadsheet typing things out manually. There's very little difference to me. Uh, where I see structure is when people are able to produce um, a data that complies with an open data specification. And uh, there, were, there are a variety out there, but the most popular one is IFC. And so in my opinion, if you are capable of producing data that describes your building in an open data format, one of which is IFC, then I consider that to be BIM. But that is just my personal opinion. Uh, other people will have many different interpretations, and there's no saying which is right or wrong. Um, but in my opinion, for BIM data to be actually useful, it needs to be clean. And the only way to guarantee it is clean is for it to be in an open data format. Yeah, I understand. So what you're saying, you, you talk about like a power BIM, <laughs> BIM powered up or something like that. Because, yeah, from the definition doesn't come that uh, I don't understand that needs to be structured. It's about information, right? But yeah, like in order to be most effective to use it and to make sense. Yeah, I understand. But um, what do you think? Why do you think we have so many meanings of BIM? Why did, didn't we get a, like a better definition of this when, when someone came up with this uh, with this word or uh, words oh uh, i don't know um <laughs> it's just more acronyms uh, many industries like acronyms it doesn't really matter what industry you're in people have to realize that what we're doing now sh isn't that much different to what we've always done uh, if you have to document information about how to how a building should go together on a piece of paper then now you're putting it in a digital format. You know, there's the, the concepts are all the same. The, tra the, tr the ways of transporting and cataloging that information is is slightly different. And some people think that certain approaches uh, are better than than others, and some are objectively more correct. Um, but I don't see it worthwhile to debate one acronym or one buzzword over another. Yeah. I I completely agree that uh, agree with that. It's just like I find it a little bit dumb, if I can just plainly put it that way. Uh, that uh, it's it's a little bit misleading and uh, confusing for a lot of people, right? Because uh, yeah, it's not uh, like we we know. I don't know you, but uh, I've seen many many limited description of them. And uh, that doesn't help us to with the BIM adoption, actually. That, that is one of the reasons why we still struggle, because there are still people trying to understand why, what is BIM? Some people just hear, uh, hearing the word, the, the, uh, the acronym, they, they think, oh, this is expensive. Like, for example, some leaders or something in companies, right? Oh, no, no, I don't want BIM. BIM is too expensive. I don't want, I don't have time to implement it. And I won't do it now. I'll do it later, after the others have done it, right? Yeah. I, I guess the value is not so much BIM. The, the value comes in open BIM. Um, because 
let's say you, you do things traditionally on, on pieces of paper. There are people who need information from your, uh, from your project, and the, and the way for them to find that information is by looking at pieces of paper. So you say, okay, let's, let's make things a bit better. And so we're going to put it all in a spreadsheet. And now it's a bit better because they can search and they can filter uh, that spreadsheet. And therefore, certain types of analysis become faster and faster. And this is the trend, uh, that we want the data to become cleaner, more easily analyzed, more easily queryable. And the peak of that is OpenBIM. It's, uh, it's, it's BIM data, which is stored to an international specification that all programs out of the box know how to interpret. So the, the sort of holy grail is a digital representation of your building that every single element has data that you can instantly ask for any for for the most uh, appropriate use cases. So uh, somebody who wants to cost the building um, has all of the details he needs, such as uh, areas and lengths and volumes uh, and and counts and weights and things like that. Uh, somebody who wants to do light simulation, every single element. We know exactly there is going to be a property stored here in that particular physical unit, and it's going to have a range between this and this, and it's going to store all of the data I need for me to extract out a lighting simulation out of it. And so that's the holy grail that you drop in an element, and out of the box, that element has all the correct properties for quantification, for a simulation, whether that's light simulation, fire simulation, uh, structural simulation, CFD modeling, rendering, acoustic, and so on. And, and that's the holy grail, is that every element has all of the data relevant for all the disciplines right where you need it. Uh, we're a little bit far from that at the moment. Right now, we're just a step up from spreadsheets. We've moved from spreadsheets to proprietary databases. That's, what, that's the level most of us are at. Have you done that? Have you really okay. done that all, all over that the back. world? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because there are there are places maybe in the world where it's ahead of that. Uh, I I I would say there are projects, not the, the entire industry, maybe, but in in Norway or UK or in the United States, or maybe in Australia as well. There are cases where we 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 done it a little bit better. But uh, it, like you said, like if you take the entire planet, yeah, of course it's it's uh, you're definitely right. But but uh, I'm thinking databases. There are very very many people that don't know what a database. Engineers, I mean, or not only engineers. Like if you look from uh, from a wholesome perspective, like include not only design, right? Include contractors, include the uh, uh, suppliers uh, and you include the uh, asset owners, right? Do you really think that everybody know what a database is? Or yeah, maybe they they heard that word, but they are using databases instead of spreadsheets. I re I really doubt that. <laughs> so okay, uh, because we got here, what are I actually now the biggest challenges? What do you see in in uh, like to get us to the next level, right? What do you do you see today as biggest challenges that uh, we are we have in going there? Good question. I think it's yeah. I think it's a cultural challenge. People 
are very uh, complacent with the way things are already being done. They're very happy to, uh, I guess, just use off-the-shelf things. And uh, there is a time and place for that. But I think that uh, many other industries are realizing that um, once you start putting it in a digital format, uh, you can do so much more. And we need to start saying, uh, having people in all of our companies that say, yeah, let's see exactly how far we can go with the digital data. And that's not a, a technical problem. That's a cultural problem. We need people to understand that um, this data is actually out there for you uh, to manipulate. And you can build your own software. You can build your own tool chains. Uh, you, can, you can build your own ways of manipulating the data. And um, it will come sooner or later. Uh, we have school kids trained from a very young age to write in programming languages. So there will come a time where the entire youngest generation in the workforce, all of them will know how to code. And when you have people when, who know how to code, they will not be contented with the off-the-shelf software. They will expect to be able to use the computer as a tool to, to have the freedom to do whatever they want with it. And, and that's the sort of uh, future that has already arrived in some other industries, but may not have arrived yet in this industry. So for example, um, software is the most obvious one. The software industry cannot function without open source. They, the ability for the average person involved in the software industry is so far out and they, the culture is that they expect to be able to manipulate their environment. And as a result, uh, they are at that stage. Um, a bit closer to home, you have the GIS industry. Um, most governments give out uh, GIS data in open data formats. And the, the question, the next question is, okay, if we already have open data in GIS, why don't we have open data in BIM? And uh, sooner or later, these, these same cultural changes of expecting open data sets, uh, I suspect, will come to uh, BIM but, uh, and, and the AEC industry. But first, it requires a cultural change. It requires people who are willing to tweak and play around and push the boundaries and, and experiment a bit more. It's a, a bit of a... a it's a bit hard to describe. In the software, you might call it a hacker culture, the ability yeah. to sort of uh, build something ad hoc and, and tinker with it. And that's, and that's maybe what we should push towards. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, but uh, are you thinking like, um, like in our industry, what is one of the biggest challenges? I think it's... Uh, because there are so many involved actors or parts in a process, right? If you want to develop a, a project or a building or something, right? Infrastructure project, there are so many involved parts. How, how do we deal with this? Are, are maybe some, some parts involved in the process that are doing better and, or that need to, to get better? To, to help with this? 
or are we all at the same level? I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, clear, clearly, um, we're not all at the same level. Um, there, I mean, there are people in a project who don't use computers, right? There are people who will design a building in Excel and will succeed in doing that. Um, and there are other people who will push the boundaries. So we're, we're definitely not all at the same level. I don't know the answer. Um, if, if I could step back a little bit, solving technical problems is relatively easy. Even if we did nothing, and sooner or later, there will come a generation of people who expect to do more with computers. There will be open data, there will be open BIM, um, even if we sat back and did nothing. Um, I think it will come nonetheless. More importantly, is knowing what we're doing with this open data. I mean, if you ask yourself, what does the world need? Does it need better BIM software? Is that really a worthwhile goal to pursue? I would say the answer is no. No, I mean, no. Do I really want to be? Yeah, I mean, the answer to uh, real problems that the world is facing is not the ability to build buildings faster. In fact, that's probably the wrong way. You should be building buildings slower. We have to go back to paper, you know. We, 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 don't, we don't want that. Um, we want to be building better buildings. We want to be building smarter. We want to be building wiser. We want to be building with better informed decisions. And that does not require faster tools that, that do things things that you've always done, but faster. That, instead, it requires cooperation. It requires synergy. It requires a culture of people who are willing to share the information they have and easy workflows to consider in the design process in an economical fashion. That's what we need to, to solve. And part of that is open BIM and open data standards. Another big part of it is open source tools and workflows that we can build those. But even if those two are in place, it still doesn't guarantee success. Yeah. The third part, or should I say the first part, because it should come first, is the culture. It's the culture of working together and collaborating in what is an extremely interconnected built environment. How can, you, can we cultivate this? How can we stimulate the mindset shift to build, uh, uh, to yeah, to 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 plant the seed for a collaborative society or for a collaborative uh, environment between inside companies, between disciplines, and between different uh, stakeholders? The full answer is again, I don't know. That's a very difficult thing to do. I think there are some good things to pursue. So the first would be the culture of transparency. So the, we should start expecting people to share their design process, to share their thinking, and, to, uh, and, and part of how to do that is to use the culture of open source and, and free software to give the freedom of any stakeholder to interrogate right down to the source level. So I, I guess it, 
one, one big part of it is transparency. Um, there are some very interesting firms doing this already. There's Opening Design, which does all of their design. They, they, they do use proprietary software in their workflow, but the culture by which they do it um, is in an open source way. So all their designs are done in the open for the public to see. You can, just like Wikipedia, you can download their BIM model and edit it and send it back. Really? What, what yes. company is this? Where, where they operate? The, the guy who starts it uh, is Ryan Schultz, and he works in the U.S., but, the, but again, it's done in an open source manner, so the people who collaborate are all across the world in many countries. So they, um, they're not a huge firm with hundreds of employees. Um, again, back to my warnings from earlier that it's not yet the right time for huge firms with hundreds of employees to shift to open source, but uh, they have made that happen. It's called opening design. Wow, that, that sounds really interesting. Also, there's also the WikiHouse project, uh, which is the concept of designing and documenting a house that the community can own and build. And uh, you don't, uh, the fraction of skilled labor is reduced to a small percentage. That way, uh, the community members, um, for, for whatever the purpose of the house, it, it could be uh, social housing or it could be uh, uh, just a community project, that, that was done in an open source way and the community will own, own it. They know how it's all put together. They know its purpose, and they have a connection to the building. You know, they they care about it. It's not just something that's sitting there because it makes money for somebody. It's sitting there because it means something to people, and and I think and part of what makes it so successful is that transparent process by which it was built. The community was engaged throughout the entire process. Where where do you did you hear about these kind of projects in Australia? Do you have this in Australia? Uh, I haven't seen one in my backyard, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... <laughs> I'd love to. No, but I mean, uh, uh, did you hear about this kind of project being built in Australia or in other countries? Uh, let me check. Um, I know for opening design, um, they have projects in the US. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my other screen now. We have the Wiki House. And there's one in London, uh, one in oh. other places in the UK. That sounds like a good, uh, good, uh, good initiative. Uh, and I, I, I could uh, definitely put that in the show notes. You can send me afterwards the link, and I can definitely put it there. Sounds definitely yeah. like something inspiring. China, Austria, Netherlands, uh, Christchurch, has, has quite a few places. That's. That's something nice. We need more of those, definitely. And we can definitely help with that. Transparency, cooperation. Why don't we cooperate today? Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, I, I think a big, a big reason for that, a big reason, I, I mean in, in our industry, right? Because we have so many actors involved. And the rules and the culture. What, what culture do we have today? The culture of fighting each other, of pointing the finger to each other, right? How do we go from this there? Could be a good starting point to have uh, better rules, like better uh, types of contracts. 
The, I, I think the contracts, the way they are formulated, there are definitely, a, they have a big impact, a big say in this. What do you think about this? Can we have, do you, do you know better working types of contracts than others? That's not my area of expertise. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, neither I mine. I, I'm not an expert at this uh, neither, but uh, I used to ask and I learned a little bit about it. And I, I, I heard many people uh, advocating more and more uh, for IPD, which is uh, integrated project delivery. And uh, yeah, because it, in a way they, it sets all the parts involved to cooperate from the start. Like it's not like design build or design bid build, but yeah, it's. Uh, I think the last resort we go to, all the companies go to, is the contract, right? If they have something they don't want to, uh, they don't want to talk about anymore. If they they argue about something, right? They just go, okay, this is because you have that as a governing rule, right? So I'm I'm just thinking is just of course personal opinion, but uh, smarter uh, contracts with uh, yeah better uh, smarter terms that can can stimulate cooperation. But uh, I understand uh, there is quite some resi resistance for this. Unfortunately, what do you think about standards, contracts, standards? same area you don't need to to know standards but i mean like are they helpful are they like proprietary software what's your take on this standards are necessary for structured data um, the end goal is for our uh, data to cooperate um, regardless of the software that you use to author it. And in order to achieve that end goal, uh, the, one of the prerequisites is that you have uh, a data standard. That way the computer can read and write it reliably. And for that reason, I highly encourage um, open BIM and open data standards. There are some data standards, and, and for this reason, the, the work that Building Smart is doing is really good and i highly encourage people to get more familiar with the work of building smart uh, but there are two parts of this um, that, I, that i like to consider there's open data and there's open source and and they're not the same so open bim and open source are not the same thing but i think you need both to create a standard because a standard which can only be accessed using proprietary tools is limited by the abilities and the workflows by of the proprietary tool, and so as a result, um, it doesn't quite achieve the end goal of being able to fully interoperate because you can only interoperate if the vendor tells you that you can. If you include open source as well onto it, uh, then a standard, an open data standard, becomes much more powerful because the tools can now be manipulated uh, by people in the industry. So I, I do encourage standards. Um, it's probably a good idea to uh, know where your roll of duct tape is as well, because standards, as we all know, 
uh, aren't a panacea, but um, in general, I think they are a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think about, uh, like, could we get to a point where we get open standards? Like, I mean, like, today, if you want standards, you must pay for it. You must buy them, right? If you look for for IT industry or for other other industries, maybe you find uh, you find uh, uh, more more uh, more openness to that. Would that be something that would help? Absolutely. So just because uh, something is an open data standard doesn't necessarily mean that it is developed in an open source fashion, and so that's why I say it's good, but it could be improved by adopting principles from free software and open source. So you're right, many standards in the construction, architecture, engineering industry are paywalled. And in my opinion, uh, that doesn't do many favors to the industry. It would be better if these standards were more publicly accessible. On the plus side, uh, building smarts standards are uh, publicly available, not behind a paywall. And so that is a good thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is open source. Um, but at, at the very least, their uh, documentation is publicly available. Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I, I also think this, but yeah, it's easy to just say that. I don't know how easy it would be to migrate from, because yeah, these institutions, uh, they have a business model there, right? So uh, not all of them will just go like Blender did from pay to open source overnight, right? There are also alternative examples. So for example, um, there is the BHOM, which I think they've called it the, the Buildings and Habitats Object Model, uh, which is another open uh, data standard for BIM data, but it's developed in an open source way in contrast to IFC, which is developed in a, a uh, more traditional uh, institutional manner. And so it shows that you can do it. Uh, unfortunately, being uh, they don't quite have the history and the, uh, let's just say, the marketing department who can liaise with, um, with, with uh, governments and chapters around the world, uh, but it shows that these things do exist. Google, for example, has recently uh, uh, revealed their own digital buildings uh, schema, which is also an open data format. So it's, I'm not saying it's not possible. Um, I, I do encourage where it happens, but at the current state of the industry, uh, the biggest standard that we're dealing with is uh, those presented by Building Smart. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this, uh, this goes back to the culture. No matter what we do, we, we we end up with the culture, with the with the need to to open our minds, to to change our mindset. But uh, yeah, I think one way or the other is going to happen. Either like you said, until uh, when when the new generation will rise and we just replace us, and they will just do it completely different, or there might be uh, another. Uh, alternative as well like uh, the tech companies are starting to to get uh, more and more interest in the construction industry so maybe if 
we are not willing to do it, maybe someone, uh, someone else will just come and replace us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that is uh, is not just a pipe dream. I think that is it's it's a uh, it's out there. The way they operate, I don't think they would start putting money in something they don't want to succeed at. Is there anything in the open source world uh, that I we did not discuss about that you think would be important to to mention for our industry? I think I should mention OS Arch, which is um, a good avenue for people to start talking more about this subject of open source in the AEC industry and how to push it forwards. Yeah, so a community for people who would like to, yeah, to at least to read a, a little bit about and maybe get involved as well. Why not? Right? Yeah. There are many ways. People, you, you know, I'm... I'm definitely sure that people have no idea how much can they help, even if they are they don't know how to code, even if they don't understand the software. Just review. There are so many ways to contribute to open source. There are so many ways. So doesn't matter if you don't know a way already. It's just nice to just start reading about it and you will find out. You you can definitely help even just writing or reviewing, even giving feedback, it's very helpful, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, are there any other communities uh, or any other places, forums or something where uh, people can read more about open source in AAC industry? As said before, there are many small pockets of, of really interesting, fascinating things happening. Um, what hasn't existed in the past is one place which, which tries to bring it all together, and that was the intention behind OS Arch. Uh, but OS Arch is sort of like an umbrella. Once you, if you are interested in a particular sub-project, like as I said before, there's there are there's a hundred packages out there you could possibly contribute to. It's not like you have to contribute to Blender or you have to contribute to FreeCAD. Yeah. If you wanted to, you could contribute to Radiance, to OpenProject, to OpenFoam, to CodeAster, to QGIS, to LibreCAD, to QCAD. There's so many packages out there. Um, and each one of them has their own forum. They have a. They might have a mailing list. They might have a community um, and, and each one of them has their own culture as well. And I, I can't list them all, but, uh, it, the, but I'm sure if, if you investigated each one of those individual packages, you'll, you'll discover their community and yeah. there are lots and lots of places to learn more. I see. What about BIM? Uh, what would you, are there any resources you would recommend to someone who would like to learn more about this? Are there any recommended avenues you have? About open BIM? Uh, yes. But in BIM in general, uh, I, I wouldn't be the best person to recommend resources. Yeah, we can say open BIM, it's fine. But if it does come to open BIM, I can certainly recommend um, the, the Building Smart organization have a forums where you can ask questions. Uh, you can also ask questions in, on the OSArch uh, forums about OpenBIM. 
there is document, if you are more technical in nature, you can read documentation online uh, provided by Building Smart. If, um, if you want something a bit less technical, uh, there is a wiki for OSArch, which we're starting to write articles trying to explain these concepts and and have a read through them. Tell tell. I mean, again, this is a very early stage, so let us know if there's an article you want to read about that hasn't been written yet, or if something's too technical or is explained poorly. Let us know, and and we can collaborate to to fix it. And I think more and more people nowadays are starting to write their own articles online and videos and seminars on OpenBIM. And generally, there are uh, a lot of countries have their own chapter. So maybe that's a good way to, to get involved as well. Yeah. How can uh, people get in touch with you if somebody wants to ask you a question or something? What would be the best way? Uh, just post on the OSArch forums, and I'll check it on there. Yeah. What about LinkedIn? Do, you don't like when somebody is sending you, approaching you on LinkedIn? <laughs> well, let's try and uh, be a bit more transparent about it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. Awesome, Dan. Thank you very much. It was a very interesting discussion. I really hope uh, that uh, this is going to be a nice introduction for for somebody who was not aware of, about what is happening with the open source in AAC. And just remember, you don't need to know how to code to get involved. That's the most important thing. The people who are interested in this are people who are not just coders. A lot of us are are professionals in our own discipline trying to do something a bit better in the built environment. Thank you for coming along. Thanks for having me, Petra.